How does a Christian live in difficult times? That's what 2 Timothy chapter 3 is going to show us. So we want to look at three uh, main points to sum up this chapter. Again, Paul is writing his last letter. He's in prison in Rome, and shortly after writing this letter, he was executed. And you pick up the urgency and desperation in his writing. It just seeps through the page. Um, He's trying to get it all out and pass it on, pass the baton on to Timothy, his protege and follower. Um, Everything he wants to say before he's gone and the responsibility for the churches and God's kingdom on earth is in Timothy's hands. So Paul's going to point out three uh, crucial points in this chapter for how do we live in difficult times, which can really relate to our situation in a post-Christian society in America and in the West in general, uh, because we'll notice a lot of overlap um, in context with this chapter. So three points are um, the importance of love, the importance of patterns, and the importance of the Bible. So the three points here are love, patterns, and the Bible. And it's going to center on, you'll notice, the uh, three times the word God is used in verse 4, verse 16 and 17. Uh, We're lovers of God. We uh, have the scripture, which is God-breathed, and that will make us a man of God. Uh, Also, Paul talks about in verse 12, live live godly and the form of godliness in verse 5. So, okay, so what's going on? Let's take these one at a time and, and see what's going on. So the first thing is the importance of love. Paul, Paul paints uh, the future of really the world, culture, and the church in terms of different categories of lovers. I love how he puts this. He says, in the last time, men will be, and he lists out different kinds of lovers. So the, what kind of lover we are, what kind of spiritual and moral love life we have and where, where we direct our loves and how our loves are ordered, that will determine everything. Um, and so three negative types of lovers are mentioned here and two positive. And the question is, which category do we fall into? So there's lovers of self, lovers of money, and lovers of pleasure. That characterizes American society in 2020. We live in a you know, an age of authenticity where we look deep down in our heart to ourself and find whatever is burning uh, most intensely there. And then we live that out regardless what what even anyone would say. We are our own authority um, and we should know ourselves, and, you know, we should be happy and we should get stuff. We should um, acquire money and material possessions. So, Lovers of self, lovers of money, lovers of pleasure. The pleasure is in the self. The self needs the money to acquire the pleasure. Um, And that type of orientation, that type of uh, ordering of our loves to ourself as our highest authority and our own pleasure and acquiring money to be able to um, gratify our pleasures, that that, uh, has disastrous and ugly um that has an ugly fallout for culture and and that's you know paul uh just lists them out here people are boastful arrogant reviling disobedient etc etc and so 
The wrong kind of lover produces an ugly, empty, and impotent culture. And Christianity is uh, not exempt from this sort of cultural fallout. Um, And we know that because verse 5 is talking about an outward form of godliness without the power, without the inward reality and power and dynamism. And so the contrast is we need to be lovers of God and also lovers of good. So these are not... Um, you know, these are not, uh, these are totally connected. If we love God, then that love of God overflows into our society and the people in our relationships and loving good, wanting others good and wanting our society's good. Um, okay. So the first point is how do we live in difficult times is we make sure we're the right kind of lovers. We love God and we love good. Okay. The second thing is we need to make sure we're following the right patterns. And in verse 10, Paul talks about, you have closely followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, and endurance, and persecutions and sufferings. So how how do we live the Christian life? Well, one of the most formative and shaping ways is we follow patterns. God puts people in our lives that we look to them and they embody the teaching, the way of life, the faith, the love, and the endurance that we need, and we model our life after them. It's, uh, it seems it's it's simple, but it's a powerful thing when God puts patterns in our life. And patterns can shape us in ways that uh, reading a book or, you know, hearing a sermon or a message uh, can ever do. Um, so we need to make sure we are connected to uh, patterns in the body of Christ. And I love how verse 10 says that we have to closely follow them. So we just look what they do. We look how they live. We look how they endure. We look how they love. And we look what they teach. And we just attach ourselves to that. We join ourselves to them in the body of Christ. And we find ourselves, I love this, verse 12, we live godly. Now that term godly or live godly, I'm sure, <clears throat> has negative connotations or kind of religious, um, you know, kind of connotations. Um, it's a, uh, probably a tired phrase, godly, but if you really think about it, just replace it with king, live kingly. You know, that's what we're talking about. Live like a king. We're talking about people who love God eventually live like God, or back then it would have been live like a God. That's how the Romans in, in that culture would have seen it. They would have seen this person as a as living on another plane, living as another category of being that somehow is, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of obviously um, similarity and continuity. But then on the other hand, there's a discontinuity with how can you love like that? How can you suffer like that? How can you endure like that? How can you live like that? It's living godly. Okay, so that's awesome. And, and that kind of pattern is, in a sense, self-replicating and culture revolutionizing. And it draws people into the faith and it uh, makes them the same as the pattern. So patterns replicate. The third point is the word of God, and that's in verse 16. So we've got the love of God, the man of God. I know it's in verse 17, but it it's really talked about in the pattern verses. And all of this stems from the word of God. So verse 16 is 
the most famous verse and the greatest verse in the Bible about the Bible. And this verse shows us three things about the Bible. It's power, it's nature, and it's practicality. So um, this verse starts out in verse 15. It says, the scriptures, the sacred writings are able. Okay, so if something is able, that means it has an inherent power to accomplish something. And what they're powerful and able to do is to make us wise unto salvation. So also in this section, there's a contrast between wisdom and folly. Back in verse 9, we had folly. And so the wisdom of this world and the um, the leaders of, of, you know, the cultural shapers in a sense that have uh, turned away from God and opposed the truth, um, Paul says that that kind of life is characterized as folly. Um, it's not connected to truth. And the wisdom here is not just knowledge and, and intelligence and information. We live in an infor- information-saturated age, but in a wisdom-deprived age. And the Word of God is able to make us wise unto salvation. So it's a wisdom, it's a way of living in this world that leads to salvation. Okay, number two is the the essence, the nature of the Bible is God's breath. This is so awesome. The Bible is unique among all books because in Bodied in the Bible is the breath of God, the spirit of God. And when we contact the Bible, we can inhale God's essence, which is spirit, God's being, God's riches and his life through the black and white letters of scripture. So we have a unique approach to scripture, which is prayer and being in spirit and communing with God. And we can pick up something from God that transcends the black and white printed page, and even transcends the knowledge and information that comes through those words, we get a deeper, richer source. And that is the source of that divine ability inherent in the word of God. And that breath of God in the, you know, embodied in the word of God, that breath of God produces men of God who live godly. And when you're a lover of God, you love God's word and love for God's word connects you with God's breath, God's essence and God's essence and breath and spirit conveyed through the word produces godly living, AKA men of God. So this is so awesome to me, this chapter. Um, how do we get through difficult times of decline and degradation in the church and in culture? We orient, orient our loves rightly. We love God above all else. And that love of God leads us to love his word, what proceeds out of his being and his thought and his concept and his purpose. And we inhale the God-breathed scriptures. And in that word, there is a power and essence and spirit that maps practically onto all the domains of life and existence. Every good work, we're fully equipped and we're complete. And we're complete to live as men of God, expressing God, living godly, and being uh, an extension of the patterns that we ourselves had in our lives, and we become those patterns to others. So this is how we get through difficult times with the love of God, the word of God, and becoming men of God.